Hi friends, welcome to another edition of the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability Series. I'm so excited to have the opportunity today to speak with Dr. Safi Koskas, who joins us from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And Dr. Koskas travels all over the world speaking with political leaders, business leaders, and religious and spiritual leaders about a variety of essential topics to our times. In particular, he is doing work in the arena of cultural reconciliation, of yes. focusing on healing and love between and among different peoples and cultures. And Safi, it is such a, an honor and a pleasure to have this time with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, be able to speak to you. Thank you. Well, this is wonderful. I thought as, as a way to kick things off, I might mention to our viewers that Safi co-authored a translation of the Quran with David Hungerford. And in it, they, uh, in their dedication, share a message I think that is so important to our times. And I'm just going to read this really fast. It says, this translation of the Quran is dedicated to our grandchildren, half of them Muslim, half of them Christian. If we as their adults do not learn how to live, love, and respect each other, and to pass this on to them and their parents, we will have allowed them to learn all the hate and fear that is so dominant in the world today. It is said that people fear what they don't understand. We pray that this translation of the Quran with references to the Bible will enable our grandchildren to share our understanding of the peaceful and inclusive holy books of the religions claimed by more than half the people on the planet, both of which promote God's love and mercy to all human beings. So, Safi, yes. with that, perhaps you could uh, give us a bit of an introduction to the work that you're doing right now uh, around the world and why it's so important. Well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the translation to start with, because that's the foundation of the work that I do. Actually, I spent six years working on the translation of the Quran. The reason I work on a new translation, there are over 200 translations uh, you can find uh, in any bookstore. Uh, the reason I did a new translation is simply because I didn't recognize uh, the verses they are quoting on TV when they say, this is the Quran. Uh, uh, they talk about uh, uh, hateful things. They talk about how we are uh, asked to kill all the infidels. The Quran doesn't ask me to do this. That's not the Quran I grew up with. So I decided enough is enough. I, I better uh, do a translation in simple, easy to read, easy to understand English. So my translation is not directed, is not targeting academic people. It's targeting my grandchildren and their friends. I really wanted them to understand uh, the faith I have. I wanted them to be proud of the faith I have, rather than be ashamed of it. If, if my faith was something to be ashamed of, I would have left it myself. My faith includes believing in Jesus. My faith includes believing in Moses, believing in Abraham. Their faith is my faith. I don't have any faith coming from a different planet. I have a faith made for people who live on planet Earth. And this faith calls us to build bridges rather than build walls around us. 
So I go around the world talking about what I found in those six years in the Quran. I thought I know the Quran very well. After six years working, trying to understand every word in Arabic, then finding an equivalent of that word in English, I think I know pretty well what the Quran's message is. The essence of the Quran is freedom. The essence is God telling us, you come to me with your free will, or I don't want you. Come to me freely. Submit your will to mine freely. Love each other freely. Do good work on earth freely. Only this work that you do with your free will, that count. And then at the end, you come back to me. And I'm going to hold you responsible for whether you loved each other, whether you loved your neighbors, whether you loved your enemies, whether you lived in peace, or whether you worked for peace. It's not always possible for us to live in peace, but at least we can work for peace. So this is basically what I go around the world talking about. It's, it's a message of bringing people together, reconciling everybody, talking about love rather than hatred. It's so important. It's so important in these times in particular, Safi. And, you know, I'm struck uh, following your uh, posts on Facebook and, and you are uh, so good at, at documenting your journeys, your travels, your encounters with different people all around the world. And I remember, I, I think this was uh, earlier this year, maybe, maybe last year, a few months ago, seeing that at one part of the week you were meeting with some spiritual leaders in the Middle East. And then later, a few days later, you were meeting with some of the elders of the Mormon church, probably I'm assuming out in Utah, I think it was. Yes, Brigham Young University and other places. Yes, and I, I was just- I to speak there. I was just so struck by, when you mentioned bridge building, that, that you are helping to plant the seeds of these conversations of love and peace in, in so many communities all over. And that when we get down to it, love and peace seem to be so central to these rich religious and spiritual traditions that we have the opportunity to draw from. And I'm curious, when you're bringing that message to different communities, Safi, how, how is that received? How are people responding to that? Uh, people listen to me uh, attentively. I've never had anybody uh, violently oppose what I'm saying. I'm talking about uh, uh, basically loving God and loving neighbor. That's the essential, essential message that I bring to others, especially in the United States. We need that message. We need to implement that message. I mean, uh, at one time, I, uh, uh, I heard love God and love neighbor so much from my neighbors. So I went uh, and did a little survey, knocked on the door of every neighbor I have on a short street that I live on in, in, in the Washington, D.C. area. And I said, do you love your neighbor? Say, yes. How do you love your neighbor? Huh? They were, didn't know how to answer. You know, what do you do? How do you express this love? Most people didn't know how to answer the question. So talking about loving neighbor is one thing. Practicing loving our neighbor is another thing. Let alone loving our enemies. We are far away from loving our enemies. We are so scared in the Western world in general, not just the United States, of the other. We are scared of the other. There, there, there is an industry that keeps feeding fear into us. One day I was speaking at a church in Noonan, Georgia, 
And this old lady said, you said you live in Saudi Arabia? I said, yes. She said, would you tell me the truth? I said, yes. She said, is it true they're building boats and distributing weapons and they're going to come to our shores and shoot us? I said, ma'am, the Saudi people are really just like us. They have families, they have children. They don't have time to think about us. They spend their time taking the children to school, going to the doctor, trying to make a living, buying grocery from the grocery store. They don't think much about us. Uh, you, you need to go and visit them. She said, is it safe to go there? I said, yes, it is safe. I mean, thousands of Americans come and visit and then go back safely. It's, it's very safe. So anyway, the message, the message uh, uh, that I take to people is a message of love. The message they, they receive from some network, TV networks, and from radios, especially on the radio in the afternoon, you know, those talk shows, their message of fears. They're trying to make people feel so fearful of the other. So now, in the mind of some Americans, all Muslims are terrorists. Every Muslim is a suspect. Anybody speaking a language other than English is a suspect. This is not the way United States used to be. I came to United States in 1968. I'm a bicentennial citizen. I became a citizen in 1976. So I am very proud to, to say this and to repeat it. The United States I lived in at that time is not the same as the United States we live in today. Most likely people had racism, uh, but it wasn't open. It wasn't obvious. They didn't share it openly. Now uh, the, the atmosphere is, is kind of poison. And I don't like this. I don't like to see this. I don't know what kind of place it's going to be for my grandchildren to grow in. I mean, we live there, you know. I'm yeah. here today, but my home is not here. It is in the Washington, D.C. area. This is where I live. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, I care about what happens there. I want it to be a pluralistic country, not a diverse country. I, I know a street in Maryland where you have a Jewish synagogue, a Catholic church, a Baptist church, and uh, a, a Hindu temple. But those guys don't know each other. They don't that street has diversity, but doesn't have pluralism. People don't talk to each other. I want Americans to sit together with each other and say, this is what I believe in, and I have the Constitution to protect me. So let me explain to you my beliefs, regardless whether you agree with them or not. Nowhere in the Constitution that says we have to have uniformity. Plur pluralism is very important. This is what made the United States grow and be number one in scientists, in research. We, 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 we drew all the brains from the world to the United States to build a great society. And this is what, what we should have again. This is beautiful, Safi. And, and I uh, want to reference something you said a couple of minutes ago. This notion of loving our neighbor really is something that's calling us to act. It's something yes. that's calling us to be uh, yes. outward in our service, really. And I'm yes. curious, what, what might you share with folks, regular folks, in terms of things we can do in our day-to-day -day lives to connect more with our neighbors and to show love more with, with our yes. neighbors? You know, uh, the United States I knew, and in many, many places, it still is the same. 
people say good morning when they see you in the street in the morning. I love this. If we start our day by saying good morning to our neighbor, that's a good start. Uh, in some other places in the world, people stop saying good morning to their neighbors. If we smile when we see our neighbor, it's a great start. If we put ourselves uh, in the shoes of our immediate neighbors, that will be very good if we feel with them, if we visit them when they're sick, if we take uh, uh, some soup to them when we have fresh soup done, if we have an older neighbor, if we visit her all the time. We're talking about loving the widows and the orphans uh, uh, and trying to free the oppressed. This is what Jesus talked about. This is what the Quran talks about. We have the same message. Look, I challenge everybody. If those messages are from God, then the message should be the same. If the message is the same, then go read your Bible and treat me as if I was just another Christian. And I would love it. And I will treat you like you were another Muslim. And you would love it too. We're not that weird, really. You don't have to pray the way I pray. You don't have to fast the way I fast. You don't have to. But we have to treat each other as a human being, with people with dignity. We need to treat each other with respect as co-citizen. We are both citizens of a great country. We can build that country together if we are united. If we are divided, we are allowing enemies of the United States to come in between us. We need to, to seal those gaps that exist. Hatred should not exist. We should replace them with love. If we claim to follow Jesus, Jesus talked about love, not alienation, reconciliation. That's Absolutely. what we need to do. Absolutely. Thank you. That's so beautiful. And I just want to mention for our listeners who might be tuning in through the podcast, uh, if you'd like, you can go to whyonearth.org and check out our community page. We also are uh, running some special deals on our audiobooks. If you use the word podcast as your code, you'll get some discounts. So just want to be sure to mention that. And uh, Safi, I, I am struck by your connection between this notion of, of human responsibilities accompanying human rights and also yes. between uh, notions of classical understanding in our Abrahamic religious traditions, um, Islam, Christianity, Judaism, and classical understandings of the uh, cultural infrastructure that exists in the United States. That is part of the deliberate founding of this country. And yes. perhaps you could, you could connect some of those dots together for us. Yes. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was born in Lebanon. The, I moved to the United States in, 19, in 1969. I moved permanently to the United States in 1969. The reason I moved to the United States is because I read somewhere that it's a country of neighbors. That might be a silly reason for some people. But for me, it was something very important. I wanted to live somewhere where my neighbors care about me and I care for them. Uh, sure enough, I moved, uh, when I first came in, I moved to Birmingham, Alabama. My neighbors were great. They were exactly what I was dreaming to have. They treated me like I'm one of the family. They, the door was always open. I was always welcome. Coffee was always warm. And 
they shared with me their life. I shared my life with them. They gave me opportunities to succeed. Uh, without my neighbors, I would have never succeeded. Then I moved from there to New Orleans. New Orleans, Louisiana, of course. And I lived there for 18 years. And people of New Orleans were fantastic. They were great. They were loving. They were neighborly. Uh, we all cared about each other. Uh, the TV, the radio stations, the newspapers were always talking to me, uh, asking me about uh, things they don't understand about the Middle East, uh, trying to have a conversation about uh, who are the Arabs, who are the Israelis, why do you have a conflict, uh, who are the Muslims, who are the Christians that are there. So we, we had a conversation. We can build a strong community if we sit down and talk to each other. We gain nothing by hating the other, fearing the other, and hiding away from the other. We need to sit together, get to know each other, look each other in the eyes, love each other, care about each other. This is how we can build a strong nation. And United States, I tell you, although we have a separation of church and state in the United States, but the, our constitution is built, it's based on, on, courage, on encouraging people to have faith. The government need to stay away from my personal beliefs, but it need to protect my personal beliefs. And that makes the United States a very unique place. The American Constitution is something that I and my children and my grandchildren is something that we are ready to die for. It's worth living for and dying for. It's a unique uh, document. None like it exists in the world. Nobody else has a constitution like the American Constitution. So United States really, as a whole, as a country, can offer the world two things. The evangelical can go to the rest of the world and talk about Jesus, and we can go and offer the constitution of the United States to help other people build democracies like ours. Not that our democracy is so perfect. It's looking less perfect every day now. But we need to fight again to make it perfect, we have the opportunity to fight to have the, the democracy, the republic, actually. We don't, we, our founding father fought to build a republic. That's what we need to rebuild again. In a republic, minorities count as well as majority. In a democracy, only the, the majority count, no, not, the, the, not the minority. But in the United States, we need to build the republic our founding father intended to build. And this is how I see my faith. I see my faith and loving my neighbor by, but by providing my neighbors with the same freedoms I like to have for myself. I love for my neighbor what I love for myself. And the essence of all this is freedoms. If we don't have those freedoms, my love for my neighbor is limited, is, is not potent. Yeah. It doesn't lead to anything positive and good. So. We need those freedoms in order to give meaning to loving our neighbors. It's so beautiful, Safia. It reminds me of a story, a place that I read about when I was researching why on earth. And in many parts of our world right now, we're experiencing political conflict, cultural conflict. And of course, increasingly in some areas, we are seeing environmental uh, challenges emerging as well and all these things are colliding and and creating complex uh, and very difficult situations for many of our brothers and sisters on the planet right now 
And I was struck coming across this example of a place, a simple place in Israel called the Arava Institute, where they are bringing together uh, Palestinian youth and young adults, Israeli youth and young adults, others, Jews, Christians, Muslims. And not only are they doing cultural healing and reconciliation, they are also working with the land, with the soil, healing the land and the soil in a, in a region of the world where there is a whole lot of healing uh, to be done. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, seeing love as being so central, seeing freedom as being so central, when we're talking in the context of stewardship and sustainability, what do yes. you think are some of the opportunities that uh, people in communities all over have to, to do more in this respect? Well, uh, a whole lot needs to be done everywhere in the world. You mentioned uh, work that's done in Israel. I think this kind of work that you're talking about is well needed. Uh, for years, I worked with uh, many Israeli friends uh, who are peace-loving people about bringing peace into the Holy Land. After all, it is the Holy Land, you know. It should be blessed with peace. So... Uh, so far, we haven't been able to do anything substantial that we can show to the rest of the world. Uh, at this time, politics is taking, is, is taking away the, 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 the best that we can promise, can, we can offer. Believe me, peace can be at hand. If the will for peace, especially uh, on the Israeli side, because this is the strong side. You cannot ask the weak, the oppressed, the dominated, the, the conquered, to, to come and sit with you and be on equal footage with you. If Israel wants to give the Palestinians their independent state, if they can do that overnight. They don't need to ask permission from anybody. They can do it. And I usually used to put on the table a plan, an independent Palestinian state that go into a federation with Israel the next day. So become independent have an identity called I'm Palestinian and then go into a federation with Israel so, because Palestine alone, the West Bank and Gaza alone cannot make a living, cannot survive. They can only survive if their economy is attached to Israel. Israel will continue to exert, to exert lots of influence on, on its neighbor, but give them a promise, give them hope, give them something to live for. So they, don't, so they don't be as desperate as they are today. I mean, we're seeing people dying at, the, at, a, at a fence, a barbed wire fence in Gaza every day. Why are they doing this? They're young people. They're dying because they're tired of being in prison without any hope, without any promise or anything good to happen to them. So please take them back, hug them, uh, adopt them. Show them a good, a good life. Show them, show, show them some hope for a good life. And, and then they, they'll be your neighbor. They'll be your friends forever. But to keep them like this in prison, uh, two million of them in, in a place where they cannot leave, nobody can come and visit them. They cannot even buy uh, enough medication for their wounded. That's not humane. That's not good. I, I like for Israel to take the responsibility of putting together without negotiating with them. You don't need to negotiate. They're the strong uh, party that can create facts on the ground like they used to be proud to say all the time. 
for 70 years, they used to say to us, we create facts on the ground. Well, go ahead and do it. There is this final fact you need to create. Create an independent Palestinian state that will join you later in a federation. So you can all be a model for peace, for prosperity. The Bible says Israel should be a blessing to its neighbors. Be that blessing, for God's sake. We want you in the neighborhood now. We accepted you. The days when we used to think that Israelis are not wanted over there are over with. Now you're part of the Middle East. You're part of us. We want you as our neighbors. But you need to feel like we do. You need to be a part of the neighborhood. Accept your Palestinian neighbors. Give them their own dignity. Treat them like normal human beings with the right for self-determination. They're under occupation now for how long? How long are they going to be under occupation forever? You cannot keep occupying another people forever. So this is basically where this work you talked about, love, cooperation, working together, building values, is, is so important. You know, we can lift, we can promote values. If we promote values, everybody will have a better life. We are getting away from that in the United States, slowly but surely. Even evangelicals who talk about following Jesus, they're talking about uh, uh, the idea, but losing the essence, which is the values. The value is to love your neighbor. The value is to sacrifice for your neighbor. We're, for God's sake, even rejecting refugees. We're rejecting people coming to us in peace want our protection and, and want to work in the United States because we have uh, values. So allow them to come in. But anyway, this is, this is I mean, what you, the, the point you raise is needed all over the world. Thank you, Safi. You know, it's, it's so wonderful to hear from you and, and to hear your perspective, which I think for a lot of our listeners is, uh, a perspective that they're probably not uh, exposed to or experiencing every day. And so it's such a, a joy, a privilege, and an honor to be able to share this with folks. And I think we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. Uh, before wrapping up, I just want to uh, tease out again this focus, this emphasis on love, on our freedom, on cultivating our will in service to the brotherhood, the sisterhood of humanity, and we have so much we can do in our own neighborhoods and more broadly yes. to help yes. relieve, relieve suffering and yes. cultivate love with people. And uh, I just, I want to thank you again, Safi, for joining us. And if you have any uh, closing message for the, for the audience at the Why on Earth community, it'd be wonderful if you could share that with us. Only a few words. Uh, love will win at the end. This, this, the, the essence of life on earth is love. Uh, but love alone, without us feeling it and sharing it and spreading it around, is meaningless. Love is to be shared. So let's share love instead of hatred. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Safi. Have a, have a wonderful day, my friend, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you.